Father Harrison, do you know where we are right now? The best timeline? The best, uh, it's, it's, it's the most interesting timeline. It's the only timeline. It's the only timeline, and it's kind of interesting, like, God could have made a boring timeline if he wanted to, right? Uh-huh. But he made this really weird one, where Kanye West is converting, and... Yep. Uh, the the, uni- the United States is in a weird place. The church is, a- but anyway. But you know yeah. where we are when this podcast is dropping. Oh, we're in Notre Dame. We're in Notre Dame right now, right? So we're recording early, but like right now in real life, we're in Notre Dame. That's right. And that's very exciting. Yeah, it's so, pretty awesome. So it's it's kind of tough to figure out what we're gonna do. But if we don't record with Sister Teresa Alafea, then this whole thing has been a failure, right? Yeah. And we might have Absolutely. some other special guests as well. well we see. might. We got We got to talk to him. So because we're doing this kind of time travel thingy right now, um, by the time this drops, you have preached about all saints. Yes. Do you have any idea what you've preached about for all saints? What's what's your go-to for this feast day? Usually, um, honestly, so first, in Canada, it mm-hmm. is not a holy day of obligation. Oh, so I have to do more work than you for once. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so why, so then I often just approach the Mass and I just kind of preach extemporaneously, uh-huh. uh, whatever kind of catches my fancy when I get to the ambo. <laughs> um, yes, and sometimes that, sometimes that's really good, actually. That's actually usually how I preach weekday mass. And it's been great right now because it's all Romans right now, so I've been just eating it up. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think I usually kind of go towards this idea of the call to holiness um, that um, to remind people because it seems to me one thing a lot of Catholics still don't seem to realize is that they're called to be saints, Right. And that to be a saint means you need to start doing saintly things now uh, um, before you die. So, yeah. like, get on that. Um, so that's kind of usually what I go to. But, yeah, we just have what I although I did move the mass to the evening tomorrow night at the end of our first Friday adoration so that oh, hopefully we'll get nice. a few more people out for that mass. Yeah. So this is something that, on that note, this is something that I've done in previous years. And it's been easy because <clears throat> I've only been a priest for three years and I've moved different parishes and stuff. So now I'm just starting to think, you know, what if I said before, who's heard it before? But I think we're going to do this again. And I begin by asking a question, the rhetorical question. I tell people not to answer out loud because it's not, you don't talk when the priest is talking at mass, right? Mm-hmm. So I say, true or false, true or false, there are only saints in heaven. There are only saints in heaven, true or false. Right. And so often they get it wrong. They're like, no, there's there's other people. No, only saints are in heaven. So get your act together, people. Exactly. But I do that much more pastorally. That's exciting because it's, it's really cool to just celebrate our brothers and sisters in heaven. It's a really yeah. neat feast day. So I'm, I'm looking forward to doing all that. So how many masses will you have celebrated? Uh, I think I'm only doing three. So I'm doing, uh, doing one for the college. Yep. And then I think I have two the next day. Uh, maybe three. I'll have to double check. But uh, yeah, so it's like almost like a, a Sunday schedule for me. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And then you have, do you have... Um, do you have all souls mass as well? Or? Yeah, so we, we we do our memorial mass. So for all the the deceased, and we're doing it in a new way. Um, it should be really nice. We're going to be um, because we have a lot of funerals in my parish. There was one week where we had eleven uh, a couple of months ago. Holy smokes! Right. Uh, so we have well over two hundred, sometimes closer to three. Um, I thought I had it bad. Yeah. So it's but luckily you know there's um, you know three other priests that are assigned with me right now and right. But uh, yeah, so we're going to do this thing where we're going to read off those who have died in kind of like a litany fashion. We're going to have kind of like a sung response. We're yeah. going to honor them. And that's that's really good. It ends up being like really healing for the people too, I think. Yeah, we, we, we do. We do the exact same thing. 
Yeah. And I'll preach a little bit more on purgatory for the All Souls Day because that's still yeah. something that people get real confused about. Some people right. were complaining to me like, Father, I never hear any sermons about purgatory. I was like, I preach about that all the time. What are you talking about? But anyway, so that would be a good opportunity to do all of that. Yeah, we do. So we do something similar. Like, yeah, they have a mass every year. We send out invitations to any people who were buried from the parish the previous year. Yep. And then we do and then yeah we do something similar we, we read out each day i think we sing like pray for them yeah something like that something like that so that we remind them that we're there to pray but they have an opportunity to light a candle that and everything so it's quite nice and people find it very yeah they they really pre- a lot of people who who don't come to church actually will come for this they'll come back for that yeah and which is it's quite a amazing good oppor- yeah it's a good opportunity too because for the actual funeral mass i i don't want to get too theological because there's yeah. so much grief and stuff going on you have to take a more pastoral tone about stuff. Uh, but this gives an opportunity to like talk about, okay, this is what happens. This is why yeah. we pray for the dead. And it, it's a better space to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Because that information, that knowledge is, is because it's truth, it is a healing thing as well. But Absolutely. this is a better time and place to do that. Nice. Uh, and this is the time and place to listen to Clerically Speaking. Woo-hoo! Welcome. I'm Father Anthony. And I'm Father Harrison, and I had something I was going to talk about, and now it just totally left me again. I'm, I'm again, I'm two days in a row of like very little sleep, so my brain is uh, is not where it needs to be. So I I was tired. I went to bed at eight thirty, yeah, last night. Wow. I woke up at six. Wow, which is, should be that should be enough time to sleep, but I'm still exhausted. So I don't know what's going, what's what's wrong with me. But yeah, yeah. Just, parish stuff has been has been crazy. It's been real, real intense. We had yeah. a meeting with our pastoral council the other day, which was yeah. really good, and we're we're working on a lot of stuff. But man, nice. it's a it's an exhausting job. It's, this whole priesthood thing. It really, yeah. I think this month has been tough for me because of, I've had to do a ton of driving, and it's been too much to be honest. So it's like it's hard to do parish stuff. And then I'm just trying to learn the balance between parish, yeah, doctoral work, right, which has not been where I need it to be yet. But I'm okay with that. It's still early on, and it's Mm -hmm. just kind of learning. Um, And then diocesan stuff, and then you have these little side side things like the podcast, and right. uh, And I have a school, so I mean, there's a lot of things to learn how to balance. It's not it's not that we're busy. It's just about learning how to do things kind of with greater efficiency. Right. And when you're traveling all that time, you can only listen to Clerically Speaking so many times, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll listen to other podcasts too once <laughs> I've gone through this. So, but. so wait, do you, do you listen to, to the whole podcast when we release them? Absolutely. Yes. Every time, every week. Because I listen it, to like the first part and like, do I sound awesome? Yes. No surprises. And I go about my day. You know what? It helps me. Like, for example, our last Two, so we're recording two at once today. Yeah. The the one we did on um, worship, why we worship, and then Ratzinger's thing of creation. Yeah. I was like, man, we're sounding like I was like, it was actually comforting. It was like, wow, we're actually doing, we're 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 hitting a good stride. Good. So let's ruin that today because we're going to talk about <laughs> indulgences, and indulgences confuse the heck out of me. So you're going to have to help me on oh this one. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's just yeah, it's just November's coming along, and then. Soon it's uh, soon it's Advent. I'm actually excited because I love Advent music, so I, I'm always looking forward to to some good good old Advent singing. Yeah, Advent music is the best. It's a shame that Advent is so short because it's so busy. It goes by yeah. so quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then after Advent, we get to do something super fun. Oh right, yeah, we get to go to Phoenix. Yeah, so we're going for, to SLS twenty. We don't have to bake this year. 
In yeah. fact, they begged we, us. Right, right, right. And I was so tempted just to say no, just because I'm a prideful jerk. <laughs> now, I, like, no. I actually haven't had a chance. Did you actually confirm with them that we're going? I did confirm with okay, them. Good. They probably have sent me more information okay. about what we need to do. We got to so book maybe... plane tickets. My gosh, plane tickets are like really expensive at this time of year. Right. But I heard rumors that they might help us out with the hotel at least. So we'll oh, see really? how that works. I, that's what oh, I heard nice. from uh, from other. Uh, there's another Sources. podcast. It's called like the Crunch or something. But there it's is no of, like. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. There is no podcast outside of ours. Not there's just us. good ones. Right. Exactly. Not so. you know like well, who would listen to unless I was on it something like Forte Catholic by Taylor Schroll like let's like, <laughs> oh, go listen to that but it'll be cool because actually so like I I make uh, Taylor gets so upset with me so I, I I co-host another podcast occasionally called Forte Catholic and it's a good it's a fun podcast it really is and we it joke around a lot but I never mentioned it on this podcast and he gets so so angry at me and it brings me such joy every time and now you've mentioned it finally in a derogatory way yes which is kind of the spirit of, of our friendship me and taylor uh but it'll be cool because i'll be there i'll do his podcast we get yeah. to hang out with a lot of cool people who are going there so if you're going to sls 20 come say hi to us yes. we'll be no. we'll have stickers <laughs> and uh we'll be yeah very have those been shipped they are as of last update they are they have envelope they have addresses on them yes and they are in envelopes so where's the stamps so I don't know what the stamps are, and I think Nick is also trying to figure out how to send internationally. So you just put stamps on them still. I, I see. This is this is why we pay producer Nick the big bucks. So it's it's all in his hands. It's all in his hands. So you're throwing him under the bus, is what you're saying. We're we're never giving away anything else uh, ever again after these <laughs> stickers because not because people don't deserve it. They do. They support us and allow us to do this really fun ministry. But my yeah. goodness, we are not good at podcasts like extra stuff. The actual podcast is great, but we like don't the have, extra we don't stuff. have time. It's like well, we do have, or let's say you do have some time. We you just need to rest sometimes, right? Yeah, it's true. So but, uh, yeah. so question though. So as I grow older, mm. I find myself less and less keen on how do I, how do I put this? I like when I go to a conference, uh-huh. I'm there more to see people than to go to talks. Yes, because I think I think it's part of like our whole internet thing that we know yeah. so many people that we don't get to spend time exactly. with. So when we get that opportunity, yeah. even if the talk is brilliant, yeah. part of me is like, eh, I just want to hang out with this person that yeah. I never see. By the way, we've been on, invited on another podcast at SLS as well. I'll tell you about that later. Oh, so, that's exciting. Ooh. Um, and then, uh, yeah, here's, okay, I did this with the exercise. I'm going to do this now. Yeah. We should go see a hockey game while we're there. I'm I am totally down for seeing a hockey game with you, Father Harrison. Because tickets are like twenty five bucks each, like they're super cheap. Oh my gosh, that for would like be lower bowl, lower bowl. Talk about bucket list achievement: seeing a hockey game with. And Matt, Matt, Matt was Matt Baker was the one who suggested this idea. I'm like, this is actually not a bad idea. Yeah, is Matt Baker going to be there? He, yeah, he lives in Phoenix. It's Matt Baker from the Roman Circus podcast. Yeah. We're plugging he, all kinds of our friends' podcasts today. Yeah, he lives in Phoenix. Oh, wonderful. So yeah. yeah. That'd be fun. That is fun. You know cool. what else is fun? The Summa Tweeta Logica? Correct! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Summa Tweeta Logica. Summa Tweeta Logica. Summa Tweeta Logica.
right. So the Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. But really... The last two weeks, it's really what Father Harrison found interesting on Twitter because you, you. I'm like, have, I'm like, I'm noticing it's a lot of one sides in that DM there. It really is. You've found a lot of good tweets, um, and part of it was I was on a little bit of a Twitter fast, and I'm going to do a bigger Twitter fast for Advent. I did this last time, so this time just for this like you know a few days just to take a break, and I'll check my DMs. But I think I'm going to go hardcore for Advent. Maybe we'll make Nick pick tweets. Why don't we make him do pick tweets? See, I just know myself. I won't be able to stay off Twitter, so. Yeah, which is fine. We have different, different people, yeah. different gifts, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, all, all right, right, what you got? What you got? Oh, <laughs> let's do something spicy. This is an older one, but it's, it's great. We haven't talked about it. Uh, what, did we talk about this one? Which I don't know. Which one? Steve, Steve the Quitter. Oh, God bless you, Steve. Yes, we Steve did. Steve Missionary. Okay, yes, we, we did. did that one? Yeah. The one about Masons? Yes. I just saw Masons. I got real excited. Yes, okay, we let's, did that let's one. I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm 99% sure we did that one. What about... Okay, yeah, let's do this one. By, uh, did we talk about uh, Celeste at Celeste underscore CC7? She says, if you're more attentive to what's presumably going on at the Vatican than your parish bulletin, odds are you may be missing ample opportunity to impact the church in positive ways, to be impacted yourself, and to discover Christ moving within it. And my goodness, I can't believe I, yeah. I'm going to hit retweet right now because <laughs> that is so true. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. The church is a hierarchy and we abide by the principle of subsidiarity. Yeah. Most likely, if you are listening to this podcast and you don't have a pointy hat, there's not a lot you can do about uh, the Vatican, right? Yeah. And it's not your job and it's not your calling, right? You're not going to save people through your Twitter accounts. That's not what it's even for. But you can do a lot of real good on the parish level because we forget that this whole project it's about saving souls it's about bringing people to christ and that happens on the ground in your parish right. so if you're feeling utterly overwhelmed by all the church news and don't get me wrong a lot of it is distressing and discouraging because that's it's full of people and sinners and and we're all a bunch of dum-dums i get that i get the feeling and i feel it myself too but you know what i need as a parish priest I need good people who are willing to volunteer. I need even more than that. I need good people who are willing to pray for the parish, for the conversion mm-hmm. of the parish. Um, I need you to to go to mass. I need you to confess your sins honestly and openly. And that's the kind of stuff that continues the inevitable victory of Christ. So if mm-hmm. all this stuff out there is bothering you, it's time to take a step back and help out at your parish. Yeah, absolutely. And then I would. There's a flip side to this too. Because, or uh, another temptation that has the same root problem where we don't focus locally. Mm-hmm. Where we look at other dioceses or uh, other programs or anything outside of maybe where we are, and we think everything looks, everything in the church looks great everywhere except for where I am in the church. Yeah, it can look like that. So that you can say like, oh, well, that look at that parish that has all these young families and our, you know, and this parish doesn't or whatever. Uh, or look at all these great programs or, or groups that are happening in this parish to help build up discipleship that don't exist here. Mm-hmm. And you can like fall into a despair about your local parish. And it's the same thing, though. It's like, instead of complaining, do something about it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Just do. Just do. Don't complain about the Vatican. Do something locally. Don't complain about what's going on elsewhere in other churches. Do something here locally. 
Right. And if you go, like, if you go, you can go to your pastor and complain and that's fine. And we'll listen to you and we'll try to help you out. But if you go with the complaint and you don't have a solution that you're willing to be a part of, then what's yeah. going to happen? Yeah. You know? So, so there. All right. All right. Um, from Father uh, Joseph Krepp at Joe and Black mm. to my brother priests. Always balance the description of celibacy as a higher call with those times you walk through the grocery store and hear couples in an intense argument about tomatoes. So Father Joseph Krupp, he's kind of like the grandpa priest, at least for me. Like, this is a guy who's been doing the ministry for a while. Yeah. He's very wise. He's a good dude. Yeah. And he often has takes that help balance out, I think, a lot of my thoughts and feelings. Yeah. So I think if I'm understanding what he's trying to say here is don't be arrogant about celibacy as a higher calling. Because yeah, when you all, see okay. like there's a lot of there's a lot of crosses that are in marriage that can bring sanctification like arguing mm -hmm. over tomatoes. Yes. <laughs> right. At the same time. At the same time I will say sometimes it's like when you hear about these arguments that couples have to have sometimes you start to realize okay there there are some practical perks to celibacy <laughs> sure <laughs> like, absolutely you don't have to deal with those are i don't well i mean sometimes you do have to argue around like you know sandwiches or whatever in a parish but it's very rare that those are, are it's usually it's often a bit more substantial well right but not i mean maybe but maybe. like trying to convince people that you can have your bake sale at a different parish site and you can still do it. And you don't have to quit just because we're moving sites. Right. Like there is a kind of annoying pettiness. That's true. And struggle in that as well. But you don't have to live with that person day in and day out and have those arguments every day with the that same person. That is absolutely true. So right. this is one of the things, I think I preached about this. I had my last uh, wedding for the year um, a couple of weeks ago. And I love weddings, but there's also something nice about being done for the year, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I preached about the fact that just because something is common doesn't make it less heroic. Right. So in a certain sense, marriage is common because that's in general what most people are called to. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's any less holy or any less sanctifying right. or that there's any less crosses and graces. There are different crosses and different right. graces, right. but they're definitely there. Yeah. And it so arguing about tomatoes is a way to get to sanctification and and that should make sense to us because god works through the ordinary yeah if god takes ordinary bread and ordinary wine and if you've been to catholic mass more than once you know the bread's not even that good it's like subordinary bread and subordinary right. wine. if he can take that and turn it into his very self body blood soul and divinity he can take other ordinary things and make them opportunities for holiness even if they're messy in the midst of it yeah. so to those like you know striving for holy marriages like god bless you because it's not easy right but um, no it's not but it, it is, is a pathway to heaven and it's a beautiful yeah. pathway to heaven and just one more thing about this whole thing because people get uncomfortable with the idea of higher calling well, what, we may, what, what we mean by this is the sign value of right. celibacy not that a priest is better than a lay person right it's in that terms of their more, human dignity we're more eschatologically ordered yeah. Yeah, so it's a higher calling in that it, it gives a greater sign to the world of the fact that Christ reigns because there's something more, celibacy is not normal. <laughs> right, it's <laughs> and, it's and, purely supernatural, it really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in that yeah, sense, it's, yeah. you know. But yeah, uh, yeah cool. yes, we get, sometimes we get all weird about hierarchy stuff. Yes, it's like I being know. higher up in different hierarchies, that doesn't make, that doesn't mean you're going to heaven, doesn't make you holy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, um, being conformed to Christ that makes you yeah. holy. And you exactly. can do that Amen. most certainly in marriage. Amen. All right. 
Ed Condon at Kenan Lawyered, uh, which is the correct pronunciation of his name. Uh, it says so much that our society happily accommodates people taking animals on a plane with them, but sneers at children. Yeah. And this is this is this is a, a time honored trope on the internet and yep. on the Twitters about the uh, difficulty with animal. This is why I think uh, pets should be canceled until we can figure out what's going on. <laughs> See, now it's my turn to get some heat from the audience. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, you know why it's easier to love animals than it is to love children? Because they don't actually love you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yes. Now, here's the, here's the thing. I think C.S. Lewis makes a good distinction here, yes, right? That th- that an animal can have a kind of affection for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's, yeah. but that's, and not that's love. cool. Yeah. But like to love another person with all their faults and difficulties and have them love you back, that is one more difficult, but also so much more fulfilling and so much more more real. Yeah. And so like the it, it's... It's more, uh, it's a sign of like our selfishness and our lack of love for other people. And you really, really see this in popular media that we don't want to go through the cross to love other people. And this is the message that Christianity needs to proclaim that Christ came to save all people, even the mediocre people, right? Actually, especially the mediocre people, especially the bad people, because that's who we are. We trick ourselves into thinking we're not, but we really are. Really are. Um, So, yeah. A society that's not willing to sacrifice for the other, especially someone as innocent as a children, because like a baby on a plane, the baby isn't doing any, yeah, and it's not doing anything evil, it's just being a baby. Yeah. And like, if you can just think about how much good you can do for those parents just by lovingly accepting the presence of their children, because we're all on the same team with this. The parents aren't happy that their kid is freaking out. Right? They right. would fix this if they could, but we all got to suffer together. And that's what makes a human family. And that's what makes a honest. church. Yeah. What's more annoying, a baby crying or some person ringing the stewardess 12 different times because they just want to, uh, you know, they want to be a jerk. Right. Uh, or taking off your socks on an airplane. Yes, exactly. Or, uh, or kicking your seat or whatever. Yeah. Or uh, There's yeah. a bunch of rude, terrible yes. people on airplanes because yes. we're all selfish jerks. Yes. And we need so- Jesus. <laughs> Yes. So the um, this whole thing too kind of hits home for me because I've got a phobia of dogs. Oh, do you? Yeah. I, 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 I thought you might. Anyways, I think okay. you no. Know, you have I said might, this before. Okay. Yes, I remember. Now. I have a phobia of dogs. It hasn't happened yet, but I. What's going to happen the day when I'm seated next to someone who brings their dog on the plane? I can't it's sit gonna, there. It's going to eat you, and you're going to die. And, and no one's at, no one will have asked me or anything like this, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, will the plane? you know move me so that i can be away from it like this is the thing there's no people aren't asked if they're okay with sitting in an aisle with a dog or anything like this which Mm -hmm. i find weird like so there's but i I also agree with that it's just like you know when we're saying human when we complain more about human beings than pets on planes like there's something drastically wrong with us and there's also like think about it like it's one thing for humans to be on airplanes because yeah. we have intellect and will and creativity. There's something actually natural about human beings flying through the air because we have been given the faculties mm-hmm. to make these things happen. There's something unnatural and abhorrent that a four-legged creature is flying at several thousand feet in the air. They don't belong there. They belong <laughs> exactly. on the ground. Exactly. Exactly. Like the grass. Yes. Outside. Like they don't belong on planes. Yes. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. All right. Um, let's do AP oddities at AP underscore oddities. Saving grace. A Minnesota man who opted to have Jesus saves 
printed on his running bib collapsed during a race. Behind him, a registered nurse anesthetist, a man named Jesus, performed CBR and helped save his life. Is this is this real? <laughs> this is actually real. Oh my goodness, that's amazing! And isn't that amazing? That's like, fun. <laughs> I just I have no comment other than this is hilarious. It and is in a good way. And I think you know, there's definitely some sort of divine providence at work here. Yeah. And God, God often uh, works through His His creation. But that's a very that's kind of on the nose there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I got on that. There's no Perfect. deep point to it. It's just fun. And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. Yes. Yes. Quite. Yes. So, Father Harrison, as yes. you know, we're we're very busy priests. And I was reading over some things in the last week, trying to figure out, you know, what what should I bring up? And I couldn't find anything. And then one of our good friends, Father Dan, last name redacted, uh, said, hey, do indulgences. I'm like, that's a great idea because we need to talk more about indulgences because they are weird. And then I was doing some research. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is there are so many rules with these. These are these might be complicated, but I think we're going to try to make them uncomplicated for the people. You ready? OK, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's let's start with the fun question that. Every arrogant teenage atheist who never grows up asks or talks about. Father Harrison, did the church ever sell indulgences? No. What do you mean, no? Well, yes and no. Ah, ah see, it, it, yeah. In certain locales, like in Germany, it had this ability to sell. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not an expert in early church, early modern church history, but um, my sense is that it, essentially it was a German thing, mm-hmm. um, not throughout the whole world, and it was used by one of the princes to gain favor with the Pope. Okay, so if I'm here's I, now, I might be misremembering that, but that's my sense of that's what's going on in my head right now. So, in a, in a broader sense, uh, we'll talk about indulgences, but one way to gain an indulgence is to sacrifice or to tithe right mm-hmm. and like tithing your money as any as any family will tell you or any person will tell you that is a sacrifice and sometimes there has to be a lot of spiritual trust in giving your money to the church or, mm-hmm. or tithing right and so certainly there's gonna be spiritual benefits with that the problem was that there were people indeed who framed it as you give us money you get an indulgence you give us money you give up you get your um loved one uh sprung from purgatory so there certainly were bad people twisting the theology but the church doesn't believe and never has believed uh, as a church about selling indulgences right yeah okay so you ready for some catechism talk bring it on okay so an indulgence is a remission before god of the temporal punishment due to sin whose guilt has already been forgiven, which the faithful Christian who is duly disposed gains under certain prescribed conditions through the action of the church, which as the minister of redemption dispenses and applies the authority with authority, the treasury of the satisfaction of Christ and the saints An indulgence is a partial or plenary or is partial or plenary according as it removes either part or all of the temporal punishment due to sin. Indulgences may be applied to living or dead. Right. So if you're still with us after that paragraph, part of my pet theory 
is because we've had such controversy with with indulgences in the past, we've yeah. gotten real wordy with what they are and what they aren't. Yeah. That's why I think, you know, this is because really indulgences, if you really break it down and, and take away kind of the nuanced wording, it's basically that God, and he's allowed this for the saints as well, have gained merit through grace. So grace happens, God allows mm-hmm. us to merit and do good things. Mm-hmm. And this, these good things, they don't go to waste. God doesn't waste anything. And so right. these good things can be applied to other members of the church because God is merciful and loving. So we can love other people by doing good works and loving our God, and that has a real effect on our souls. Mm-hmm. That makes sense if you put it that way. But once you get into the nitty-gritty of this, it becomes, you know, you have to be nuanced about it. Can I just add one little thing to that? Um, Please. Yes, we make these things, but also remember that what the church is, she is the body of Christ. So it's Mm -hmm. really Christ's full body. Remember St. Paul's phrase, we make up what is lacking in the in the sufferings of Christ. Right. Right. So this is the idea that the church, the whole church, the whole body, when merits these things, it's through the grace of the cross and making up for what is lacking in the cross for the sake of the same body. Mm-hmm. And so it's really Christ's sacrificial love at work in us. Right. Is what it is. So because if we forget that, Protestants would have a legitimate complaint around works righteousness, I think, right? Yes. Where it's like, oh, it's just, if I if I get ten good points, I can apply it to that person and give them yeah. points, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's like a twist on the good place, right? So uh, <laughs> um, we got to be careful. I think so. It's always important to emphasize. It's really it's it's a working out of a grace that is gained through the cross to apply that the grace of the cross to others. Yes, through the church, all... which is always mediating God's grace. Right. So if you ever get lost and you remember only one thing about this, our talk about indulgences, it's really all about God's. A super abundant mercy for us. Yeah. And we get yeah. to participate in that because he allows yeah. us to. Yeah. Okay. So if we're going to understand indulgences, we have to understand what happens when you sin. Yes. So when you sin, the thing that Father Harrison, I think most people know and we know is that it damages on some level your relationship with God. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, a venial sin um, will damage your relationship with God because in that moment when you're choosing that sin, you're choosing not God. Right. And then we make the distinction there's also sins that are mortal, that that severely wound your relationship with God. And so for those, you have to have full intention to do it. You have to know that you're doing it. And then you have to fully choose that you're doing it. So right. it's a real strong no in the face of God. Yeah. Right? So it's not like a, uh, I'm feeling kind of weak today and I fell to temptation sort of thing. It's, it's a pretty big no to God. And certainly, if you go on the internet and start searching up stuff with mortal sin and venial sin, you're going to get a thousand different opinions on this. Yeah. And even in the in the um, in the church, in different theologians, you'll find different things. Um, so, uh, was Peter's denial of Christ a mortal sin? What are you thinking? Work it out loud. Honestly, I can't say. It's tough, but you know who... No, but, you want to, but the only reason I want I can't say because I don't yeah. know his... This is the thing. You can't actually... You can judge the public action of a sin. Like you can talk You can talk about it's grave matter. Yeah. That's publicly just... That is something you can publicly judge. Mm-hmm. But you can't judge the interior stuff that goes along with that. Okay. And I, I totally get that thing. You know who would disagree with you? Who? Thomas Aquinas. What does he say? 
He says it definitely was. Um, because of like going through, if you look through the Gospels, he he sh- he should have known these sort of things. I think I, I don't know the, the argument specifically, but I do remember that Aquinas would say that. So you can find different sort of things, but you bring up a good point because matters of will and intellect that can be more difficult to judge for sure, right? Right. Yeah. Matter matter can be very easy to judge. Yes. Like because yeah. this is a big deal. This isn't uh, you know um, accidentally accidentally letting out a swear yeah. word when you stub your toe. This is yeah. something different. Okay. Okay. So. That's the main effect of sin is that it wounds on some level our relationship with God. Most and people others that. and others. Right. Like, yeah. This is the thing. It's like, so when you when you go to confession, the priest is acting in both the person of Christ and the person of the church. Oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, he's not just he's not just saying you're back in communion with God, but like we have to always remember we have to really work hard. I think indulgences make more sense when you have a less individualistic view of Christianity. Yeah. It's not just me and Christ. It's actually me and. It's me and Christ through the church, his body. Mm-hmm. And so it's a reestablishing also of a communion with the church. And so the priest judges the sin, quote unquote, to bring that person back into communion with also the church and says, your sin is forgiven. So the guilt that has broken you off from the body has now reestablished you to it. It's not excommunication, right? It's a different thing. No. But um, that's what's happening. So when you sin, it's a, it's not just hurt. We ha- There's unattended effects when you when you when you do something so like, I, I mean let's use an example that i think is um is when if it you and i got in a fight yeah and i got so angry i punched you shame it's shame yes it's a sin against god mm-hmm. but it's also a sin against you and only your forgiveness can reestablish a communion there right yeah or even like, okay, go ahead, finish. No, I was just going to say, so that's the idea. It's like when we're dealing with things around indulgences, it's also, it's not just about reestablishing our, our unity with God. It's also about establishing our, re, our unity with, with, with the church and more broadly all creation. Right. And even private sins that yeah. you know, seemingly you're not hurting anyone else, you're still harming the body of Christ because you're a part of it. So if you're harming yourself, you're exactly. harming the whole body. So exactly. Like, and, and, and that's why the body of Christ is such a, a, a good metaphor. Is that like if you stub your toe, yeah, it's only the toe that's wounded, but on some level the whole body feels it. Yeah. And the body doesn't function as well. So yeah. like you stub your toe and you're annoyed by this the whole day, it throws off your ability to do other stuff during the day as well. Exactly. Right? Even though it's just your toe. So, and this is something that we need, really need to work on in the church is more remembering that we are we are a communion, we are a body of Christ. God does not just save individuals. We will all be judged together as well. So that, that's an emphasis that's kind of been, I think, lost in yeah. the church that we need to reestablish. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. Good. So the other thing that will happen when we sin is that there is a temporal punishment. When you sin, it creates a kind of wound in you. Right. And the catechism is pretty clear on this. We shouldn't consider temporal punishment of sin as something coming from the outside, like God putting extra punishment on us. Mm-hmm. Sin carries its own punishment with us. Yeah. So if you've been, you know, uh, addicted to pornography for, for years and years and years, even if you repent of that sin, a lot of times there's still a wound within you that still yeah. affects you and that still needs to be healed, right? right. So God completely forgive, forgives you. Mm-hmm. You're not culpable for that sin anymore, but there's still a wound there. Right. And so if you think about all the ways that we've been wounded and wounded others because of our sin, because it hurts other people as well, right? Yeah. If we're going to go to heaven, we need to be perfect. Yeah. There can be no attachment for sin. So there's different ways to talk about this. One I like talking about as a woundedness, but also Mm -hmm. when we sin, we develop an attachment to sin. 
Yeah. So if I'm if I am really used to eating 45 Oreos every night, um, not only is that going to affect my body and like my physical health, and that's going to leave a wound there, but also I've kind of grown attached to gluttony. I kind of like it. It's kind of yeah. infiltrated my personality a little bit, right? And yeah. even though I'm forgiven, I still kind of carry that a little bit. Yeah. But none of that has any place in heaven. Right. And so that needs to be purified. Mm-hmm. And so this is what purgatory does. It's yeah. it's the purification of all those attachments, all those wounds, yeah. all those temporal punishments due to sin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the the analogy I often we had when we had the the year of faith. Mm-hmm. I was at the cathedral. We had the holy door. So I we'd always have pilgrimage groups coming in from the diocese, right? So right. I, I preached on this a lot, and I was just talking about like what indulgences. And I like I like using this analogy, like the punching you in the face. I except it would yes. be whatever priest was with them, right? <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> he, yeah. he was my punching bag in a way, right? <laughs> but this is the idea. It's like I could punch you in the face, and uh, you could forgive me. The guilt is gone. Mm-hmm. You still got a black eye. Yeah, <laughs> you still got a black eye. Hopefully, mm-hmm. if my punch is hard, I may, my punch might not be hard enough. Who knows? But so, in order to heal that, the put, like the the effect of it, and I might have bruising on my hand or whatever, right? I need to, I need to look. It's it's not just the physical wound. Like I maybe get a stake for your eye to help heal it and cool it down. I'd also have to do things to rebuild up your trust in me and stuff like this to rebuild the communion. The guilt is there. You forgive, but the relationship still needs to be kind of worked on right, a bit right, right. and so, so that's what you do these good works to help mm-hmm. build it up right so you know i'd make i take you out for a nice dinner to say i'm sorry and something like that you know right and so he doesn't flinch every time he's around you right exactly exactly yeah. <laughs> because we exactly. can't be flinching around each other in heaven that's not how it's going to work right, right. we're going to exactly. be totally at peace and communion with each other yeah. now so just to emphasize yeah. this really that should not we should not then undervalue the power of god's forgiveness because that is the main thing. So this shouldn't um, make us devalue what happens in the confessional. Yeah. Because that does remove the guilt of the sin. You're in communion with God. That's how we achieve our salvation, right? So let's not, um, just because there's still that, you know, woundedness there, um, the, the, you have been healed in a very deep and powerful way by God forgiving your sins, okay? Yeah. So just to make that emphasis. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, Right, so a lot of times we call this temporal punishment. So temporal meaning in time. And this is why we have these uh, metaphors and why they were commonly used, um, not used so much now when we talk about purgatory, when we talk about time and purgatory. So very often, because we're dealing with a spiritual reality, we use metaphors to help us understand something that is still kind of shrouded in mystery. Mm-hmm. So how long is someone in purgatory? If you look at that philosophically, that's kind of awkward because if you don't have a body, are you in time? How does that work? But the metaphor of time is kind of helpful just to kind of understand Mm -hmm. that something is going on, right? So even when we talk about like the fires of purgatory, are you going to be burned by literal fire? No, but it does get at something of the purifying in fire, like gold refined in the furnace. Also, the pain thing is important as well, because we know from experience that whenever you're trying to build a new habit or remove your detachment from sin, that's Mm -hmm. a painful process, right? That's a difficult thing for all of us. So that's why these metaphors are helpful, but we shouldn't shouldn't take the metaphors super literally. Even though they're helpful, we can't take them literally. So that's why the church, I think more recently, has moved away from some of those metaphors because it's been taken too literally in the past. Do this indulgence, get 500 days off purgatory. Exactly, right? So we've moved away from that language. That was pointing to a real 
reality because certain indulgences are more helpful than other ones. So, you know, more times off purgatory and sort of stuff. But that's that's an important uh, yeah. distinction to make. Okay. Uh, so, and, and if you think about it, with all this, how beautiful it is then that God gives us all of these opportunities to help heal us and heal others and remove this temporal punishment due to sin. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, there are so many ways to get indulgences. It yeah. is crazy. Yeah. So I have in front of me this lovely little book. It's called The Handbook of Indulgences, mm-hmm. Norms and Grants. Yep. And let me let me read a few examples of how you can get indulgences. Let me flip to the table of contents right here. I'll flip the pages in my microphone. There you go. That's good audio content right there. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's read a few of these. An act of faith, hope, and love, and an act of contrition gets you an indulgence. Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, uh, a prayer for meetings, a prayer to St. Joseph, a prayer of thanksgiving, prayer to your guardian angel, a papal blessing, visiting a cemetery, visiting a catacomb. Let's flip a few pages and read some more. A monthly period of recollection, a prayer for the dead, prayer for benefactors, recitation of the rosary, a hail holy queen. What else do we got here? Litanies, litany of the holy name of the sacred heart of the precious blood of uh, Blessed Virgin Mary, um, a child's prayer to Mary, just reading Psalm 51, the memorare, a prayer before a crucifix. Yeah. Oh my goodness, all these things get you indulgences. Right. Things that you probably do every day. Maybe you pray a yeah. rosary every day. Yeah. Boom, indulgence, right? You pray Psalm 51 every Friday. My goodness, boom, indulgence, right? Um, So let's break this down a little bit more about how these indulgences work. So there are kind of like uh, four, two different kinds of indulgences. There's kind of like the ordinary way to get indulgences and there's specific ones. A lot of times when we think of indulgences, we think of making a pilgrimage to a church, right? Right. Or the holy door. Mm -hmm. These are kind of special um, indulgences that have certain prayers attached to them. So you have to pray for the Pope and you probably have to pray um, the creed when you visit this church or go to confession or something like that. But not every indulgence means that you have to pray for the Pope, pray the creed mm-hmm. and make a good confession. Right. Um, yeah. So you're making a distinction between the plenary. So plenary indulgences forgive the full punish temporal punishment due to sin. Mm-hmm. Right. And plenary, uh, uh, forgives just partial and so when you do the when you do the 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 oh my gosh not the plenary the um ah my brain just went totally blank oh yeah no the uh, plenary sorry plenary yeah. partial sorry plenary partial uh when you do the plenary indulgence that requires confession going to communion praying for the pope and a t- total detachment from sin right that's always the key phrase <laughs> Right, so that's always the key phrase. Right, but the other so, these other ones, you're, you don't have to pray for the Pope or go to confession or communion. It's just you're praying in front of a crucifix. There's a partial indulgence, and the idea is you're doing this. It's going it's going to do a good work for the church, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, and so um, a partial indulgence is granted to the Christian faithful who, while performing their duties and enduring the difficulties of life, raise their minds in humble trust to God and make at least mentally some pious invocation. Mm-hmm. So if you're just going about your day and you say, you know, Jesus, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Boom. Indulgence. So a lot of the ordinary life of the Christian, because it's sanctifying, is also going to have this benefit to it. Um, So just like kind of pious prayers. Yeah. Uh, Another way to get a partial indulgence, it's granted to the Christian faithful who, prompted by a spirit of faith, devote themselves or their goods in compassionate service to their brothers and sisters in need. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is really important because the the way we become holy 
really? And this is sometimes goes, you know, when we think of growing in holiness, we think of going before the Blessed Sacrament, prayer, and all those are absolutely essential. But if you're not also caring for your brothers and sisters in need, you're not living as a Christian. Mm -hmm. So this uh, partial indulgence is a reminder that that's the ordinary work of the Christian to help Mm -hmm. out our brother and sister in need. And the other general um, partial indulgence is granted to the Christian faithful who, in a spirit of penitence, voluntarily abstain from something which is licit for, for and pleasing to them. So you're abstaining from something that's good, but for a greater sake. So this is, you know, um, the whole idea of selling indulgences. Mm-hmm. If you're giving up your money, which money isn't an evil in itself, the love of money is the root of all evil, mm-hmm. but having money isn't bad. But if you're giving that up to the church, you can see how that works as an indulgence right there. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're you know, um, taking a, a fast or something like that, or just, you know, I'm going to avoid salt for the week because I want to pray for priests or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's a partial indulgence. And and so this is um, this is why I find so kind of interesting in the end. It's that really as long when you're living the life of the Christian, you're getting indulgences. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point, I think, is yeah. and that's the idea. It's it's to really unify the grace of um, the grace of the of the of the, the those acts and, and and the grace of the indulgence as really being tied together and to not make these things like i think they're also trying to get rid of this anguish of earning uh, of a earning way towards salvation right right which is also i think really important uh it's to say no no this is if you live out the christian life you're getting indulgences which is grace that comes from the cross to help heal your relationship with yourself and the church or to apply that to others which is just how we ought to be as christians yeah Exactly. This is sanctifying yourself and your brothers and sisters. Yeah. I mean, God's the one who's doing all this, but he allows us to participate in all of these wonderful graces. Yeah. Now, the church can then pick special things that are going to be indulgences. Mm-hmm. So all those things I read, those prayers and stuff. And, and why can the church do that? Because Christ has given her the authority to do to distribute graces in that sort of way. So yeah. he's given her the keys of binding and loosing. What's bound yeah. on earth is bound in heaven. What's loosed on earth loose in heaven and that's a real spiritual power mm-hmm. so that's why the pope can say hey it's the year of mercy come to the holy door receive a plenary indulgence if you're so disposed to that sort of yeah. thing yeah now indulgences can be applied in different ways yeah so father harrison see if you can get this a question yep. can i imply can i do something that's an indulgence and can i have it applied to you yes no you said they said indulgences can be applied to both the living and the dead. No, so they can apply to be living, but the living has to be you. Oh, interesting. Okay, because here's I always, the thing. I mean, yeah. I never really preached that per se, but I just always assumed it was that you could have, that I could do an indulgence for the sake of another. Uh, you can do it for another, but only if you're dead. And here's the thing. Okay, it's because, and it's somewhere in canon law. I'll have to look it up where I read that. Uh, but the thing is, while on earth, we are the ones being tested. And yeah. we have free will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we can accept God or reject him. And this is going to have eternal consequences. So indeed, indeed, you can pray for your brother or sister, right? Yeah. And that that has huge graces attached to it. I can help them. But also, you know, if you're praying for someone, they also have to cooperate with their with, you know, free will as well. Okay? While they're in purgatory, they're de facto cooperating with God's will. Right. So in, in purgatory, you've done all you can do and you've, you know, loaded up those uh, temporal punishments due to sin and you're done. Right? So eventually you're going to heaven, but these things need to be burned away. 
so here's the thing. Even though you're going to heaven and these things are justly being burned away, God in his like super abundant mercy will allow us to apply indulgences to them. Right? So this is like an extra bonus that God gives us. God really wants you to be happy with him in heaven. That's what you should be getting from all this indulgence stuff. And he is, he's not bending over backward because it's not any you know extra work for him, but he's doing everything he can to help us out. So you can apply indulgences to um, the, the dead and to yourself. That's it. Great. Okay. Uh, and one thing that uh, uh, I'm assuming there's uh, listeners who have done the, the con- total consecration to Mary, um, as taught by Louis de Montfort and also uh, Maximilian Kolbe. And one of those parts of that consecration is that all indulgences that you gain, you give to the Blessed Virgin Mary to apply as she wishes. Hmm. Okay. And so that's, you're kind of, in a sense, sacrificing um, your own will for applying these, and you just lovingly give it all to Mary. Right. But what St. Louis de Montfort says is that someone who's done that and given everything to their queen, yeah. isn't that queen going to be more disposed to you if you want to pray for someone else? Right. Right? So we're talking a metaphor again, right? Yeah. So it's not a perfect analogy. Uh, but that's something that's a beautiful thing to do, that you give all of your diligence to Mary and just trust in um, the divine mercy that flows through her because her will is perfectly conformed to God's will. So if you know you're getting an indulgence and you don't know who to apply it to, you just be like, God, take care of this. Or Mary, take care of this. I trust you and your will and your mercy and your wisdom. And that right. can be a really beautiful way of trusting in God's divine providence. Right. So I think yeah. that's a neat way to go about yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In general, I think this whole teaching of indulgences, even though it's like this handbook, my goodness, mm-hmm. there are so many like different explanations of it and there's all this to know what it is and isn't. Um, I think the, the, the gist of it is that God is merciful and good and he allows us to participate in his mercy. And I think one way to educate people about indulgences is to just start letting people know when an indulgence is. So like during Lent, for example, mm-hmm. I believe there's a, I believe it's actually a plenary indulgence that's attached to the Stations of the Cross. Uh, yeah, I think I can look at that, but you're probably right. Yeah. So uh, we do Stations every Friday. So I always say people, for the sake of receiving the plenary indulgence, uh, we're going to say, and our Father, a Hail Mary, and, and a glory be for the intentions of the Holy Father. Um, and that's all I say. But then it, people say, Father, what's the plenary indulgence? I'm like, good question. Like, let's, let's, uh, I'll tell you about what these are and everything. And so it becomes an opportunity. When you just start using the words, people start asking the right questions and they start getting used to them and they can start applying them into their own spiritual life again as well. Right. And yeah. so one thing, one thing in my research looking stuff up, I, I had heard that to gain an indulgence, you have to, um, make some sort of interior act of the will to say, right. I want this indulgence. Right. And that's probably true for plenary, but I'm not so sure if it's true for um, partial ones. Well, the other thing is when you're doing, especially the partial, yeah, I, I would agree for plenary, yeah. not for partial, because with partial, you're saying, I want the grace that comes from doing this act. Mm-hmm. Like your action manifests your will. It does. Mm-hmm. We have to always be careful, philosophically speaking, dividing action from will. I mean, there is intention and lack of intention or knowing and unknowing, obviously. But what you do means if you do something, some part, some part of you wants it, right? So right. I'm, I want, I'm going to pray a prayer in front of a crucifix. Well, I want the grace that comes right. from that encounter. So that's, and that's saying I want the indulgence. So I, I would say you wouldn't need to have to make that. But yeah, when you're saying I, I want this plenary indulgence, that requires a bit more intentionality because it requires more than just the devotion. It requires going to confession 
going to communion, saying I'm totally detached from sin. Mm-hmm. Like again, that's that's I've always loved that qualifier because this is the point. When you get a plenary indulgence, you're removing all temporal punishment due to sin, right? Which means that you're purified. Yeah, you are. You wouldn't need purgatory. Mm-hmm. And someone who doesn't need purgatory would have no attachments. So that's the thing. And so if you don't, if you missed, because this is the thing, when people ask for uh, uh, plenary indulgences, we are probably not in a state to receive a plenary indulgence most of the time. Right. We Most of us are attached to sin. Mm-hmm. However, we still get a partial indulgence. Mm-hmm. Like we, so we still get some grace from it that can help us work closer toward, to help us work towards God even more. Right. And that's another thing. I'm not sure I mentioned it, but let's mention it now. Yeah. That um, indulgences can only be applied for those sins that we have already confessed and the the um, guilt has been removed. Right. Right. So that's why confession is such that they go they go hand in hand, you know? Yeah. Um, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So if you want to, like, at the beginning of your day, kind of make a, a general intention, like, Lord, all these indulgences that I may get today, um, apply them to this or that other thing, that can be a good kind of morning prayer practice because that kind of gets you in the right place to realize that, you know what, I am a Christian and the Holy Spirit has been set up in me because of my baptism and God wants to use me this day. And that can kind of get you in the right mindset to remember that all of our actions and our prayers, these things really mean something, even if they're done in private. So that can be a good spiritual practice at the beginning of your day. Yeah. And uh, indulgences are good. So so start racking them up. Um, and so you also get this, it's the Handbook of Indulgences, Norms and Grants. It's from... Who publishes this guy? Catholic Book Publishing Corporation. I think it's annoyingly expensive, if I remember. It's a small book, but it's full of stuff. But yeah. you want to check that out because it's kind of fun. Yep. Or look it up online. Yeah. Amen. That's good for today. Cool. So, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please leave a review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Also, tell your friends about the podcast, but tell your enemies as well because Jesus says we must love we must love our enemies and maybe I don't know I'm not saying this for sure but if you tell someone about the podcast maybe you get a partial indulgence of that I don't know I'm not saying you won't but you might and uh, thanks and we'll see you guys later God bless peace oh we, we did the wrong call sign uh, inside peace God bless <laughs> you can find yeah, yeah. you can find me at FR Harrison you can find oh. him you know all that communication stuff we're just loosey goosey today. Loosey goosey. Loosey goosey. Yes. <laughs> See you guys later. God bless. <laughs> Peace. That's what happens when I don't have the script in front of me. Good. That went better than I expected.